I, when I was a kid, when I was, when I was young, going to church, at the first church of God in San Angelo, Texas, I remember a preacher said this, and I've heard it said many times since. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you were arrested for being a believer in Jesus, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That's why I wanted to start with that this morning. Because I believe as we've been talking about our identity in Christ, last week we shared about our identity, knowing who you are. Listen, I got to Mary Lou and I were reading this book and it just kind of came back on me. Well, some of us, you don't know who you are in Christ because you don't know who you are. And you want to get to that place of really understanding who you are and whose you are before you can go forward in 2012. Don't y'all want to go forward in 2012? Man, nobody likes to drive in reverse. It's no fun, is it? It hurts your neck. We, went, we have a long driveway in our house. And listen, this, this 2012 has been really a revelation of a year because we cleaned out our garage where we can get one car in there. Woo! I mean, we're making progress here. But Mary Lou says, you know, it kind of hurts to get out of that driveway because I've got to turn around and look all the way back. You know, you just kind of go this way. You don't want to run over the sprinkler heads that are on the edge and don't want to hit the house, don't want to hit the fence. So you've got to kind of... So it's no fun to go backwards. I remember when I took my driving test. Anybody remember when they used to do the driving test over at Central Iowa? We had to do the parallel parking over there and all that. And I took my driving test and I was... Man, I was acing that sucker. I was doing so good, and then he said, okay, I want you to drive backwards for a while. And I, so I just put it in reverse, and I sh- put my head, you know, I had everything adjusted. Man, I was shooting back, really. I was trying to impress a guy how fast I could drive backwards. <laughs> That's the only thing I failed on the test. He said, you drove too fast going backwards. But we got a lot of Christians that are going backwards too fast. And we need to put it in gear and go forward in 2012. But some of you don't know. Mm, where do I fit in this whole thing of Christianity? Where do I fit in this body of believers? Where do I fit in the, in the concept of the universal church? What is my place? What am I, where am I? You need, we need to have a starting place in our lives so we can go forward. Amen? Amen. I was at a funeral of a dear friend this week, and uh, Harry Matthews passed away. And, man, he was a, I ministered with him at Glen Meadows Baptist Church, and I loved him. We used to go Christmas caroling, and he got really sick, but... Uh, in the last couple of years, he's been very ill. We got to minister to him at Regency when we were chaplains there. And, but one of the things that came up, because in, in, <laughs> he was a guy, he loved to laugh. So there's a lot of laughter at the funeral. Man, for Christians, we ought to be able to laugh at the funeral. Amen? Because we ain't there anyway. <laughs> yeah, so uh, anyway, one of the things that came up that one of my former pastors was sharing was about how he took so long to graduate. Because he, he just couldn't figure out what his major was. And he said, I came and I was... We were freshmen together, and I graduated as a senior, and he was still there. I think he was still a freshman because he was still trying to figure out what he wanted to do with his life. And I think that's the way it is for, for Christians. Sometimes we just get stuck in, in freshman class or, or sophomores, and we don't move on because we don't really know where God's taking us because you don't know who you are. Now, that, that first statement I ask you is, is a pretty tough statement. If you were arrested for being a Christian... Could they line up enough witnesses that would say, yeah, I know that guy, man. He lives for Jesus. I know that woman. She, is a, she loves God. She serves him. How many people would show up in your defense to say, this, this person, I know that person. They love Jesus. Could you be convicted 
of being a Christian? Could you be conveyed? Now, to this morning, we're going to talk about there are four kinds of people, not Christians, four kinds of people in the world according to the Bible. Four kinds. So I want you to take notes this morning. I want you to understand what you're, you're going to find yourself in one of those four categories. One of those four is going to define you this morning. And if you have a definition of who you are, then you can figure out what you need to do to get to the place that God would have you be. Amen? So, Father, this morning, as we read the Word, as the Word goes forward, Father, your Word is power. And I pray that the Holy Spirit gives life to your Word this morning, that it will find hearts that are repentant, that are ready, that are willing to follow you at all costs, to follow you wherever you lead us. Would you all agree with me and say amen? Okay, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, because you need to know who Paul's talking to in this letter. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. To the church of God, which is at Corinth. You remember, I went to a church that was called the Church of God, and they said they were the only church because it was the only name of the church in the Bible. Hmm, funny. Uh, the to the church of God, which is at Corinth. Where's Corinth? Anybody know where Corinth is? It's like down the street. You take a left on Beauregard. No. To the church, which is at Corinth. Now, who's he writing to? The church. Say the church. Okay. To those who are sanctified, set apart in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. He's talking to who? Christians. He's writing a letter to who? Christians. He is, man, he has is, he is poured out his life. He helped us begin this church. He had ministered to some, and he had baptized some, and, and he had taught them, and he had begun to, to nurture them in the Lord. And this, this letter was written like two years after he was there. So get that frame of reference in your mind. Paul had been there like two years before, and, and he was hearing some things coming back to him, and he needed to address some stuff going on at the church. Okay. Just, now, the first... Now flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And before we read that verse, I want you to understand what was going on at the church. Now some of you are, are, think it's weird that I'm on the, up on the stage. We did that. We changed that last week. So if you weren't here last week, you see me up here. That We had some people say, we can't see you from the back except for your head bobbing as you go across the front. So now you can see me a little bit better. Unless you're behind the, the cheap seats like Misha right now. She can't see me because she's behind the column. Now, here's Paul. He starts this, he begins this work in Corinth. It's a major city. A lot of stuff comes. It would be like New York City. A major, is like a you know, waterway and all that, and commerce and different kinds of people, all kinds of dialogue, all kinds of people were at, at Corinth. And Paul has begun this work there, and he gets this report at the, the what? The church. That there are some bad things going on at the, the church. There is immorality. There are people sleeping with other people, like relatives. There are people that are, that are taking their Christian brothers and suing them. They're taking them to court. There are, there's hatred. There's anger. I like this one, too. They were getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. You know, they, thought, they just thought we were going down to the pub to have some drinks and take the Lord's Supper in the meantime. They were misusing so many things that Paul had taught them about. They were just mess, messing up. But what, who was he talking to here? The church. Okay. Now, I want you to understand, you're either in the church or you're not in the church. So out of these four kind of people, the first person we're going to talk about is a person that's not in the church. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. Look at 1 Corinthians 2, 14. 
You're going to find out maybe you're this person. Man, if you are, I've got some good news for you. 1 Corinthians 2.14, but the natural man, say natural man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are what? Foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The first person, if you're taking notes, the first out of the four kind of people there are in the world is a natural person. This person in the church we would call lost. We would call unsaved. We would say they're not a believer. They're not in Christ. They don't know Jesus. They don't have a clue. And they might have heard, they might have watched on television, they might have heard somebody talk about them, but they've never received the forgiveness of God. They've never asked Him to come in their heart. They've never asked Him to indwell them with with the Spirit of God. They've never repented. They've never come to Jesus and say, here I am, take me, just like I am. They've never done that. That's a natural man. Now, many people, if you, if you just read different sites on the website, you'll find out that most people that take surveys of such think that maybe three-fourths of this world is lost. Wow. Now, I don't know how many billions of people there are in, a, in the world. I didn't look that one up. Seven billion. Now, the last see when I was a kid, it was six. <laughs> seven billion. So, three-fourths. If three-fourths of seven billion, that's a lot of people, wouldn't, it? wouldn't you say? That are natural. They don't know the things of God. They don't know God. They don't, they don't pursue God. They just have the, everything about God. It's foolishness to them. Here's, here's a definition. The natural person is an unbeliever. Um, his flesh is in control. Okay? His flesh is in control. He sees something. He wants, he, it's him. And God has nothing to do with his, his, his life. His character doesn't line up with the character of God. He might be a good person. He might not even lie or cheat or steal. But he's still a natural person operating in the flesh. Anybody know somebody that's a natural person that's lost? Raise your hands. Come on. Everybody should know somebody lost if three-fourths of the people in the world are lost. You should know somebody's lost. They're a natural person. What do they need? They need Jesus. Look at 1 Corinthians 5, 12 through 13. Have you ever criticized... Let me... While you're turning there, have you ever criticized somebody for, for doing wrong things and they're not a believer? Be honest, come on. Have you ever criticized somebody that was sinning and they were not even a believer? Quit. Stop. That's like criticizing a zebra for having stripes. Man, that dear zebra, they get rid of them stripes. See, a natural person, all they do is, all they know to do is sin. That's their nature. Y'all getting this? We're not to judge the lost. Jesus judges. God judges those. But you know us Christians, we stand up, point fingers at everybody. Did you see oh, so and so? And they're not even believers and we're judging them. We have no right to do that, church. There's a lot of amens over in this corner. I like that. I'm going to just start preaching over here. 1 Corinthians 5, 12 through 13 says, this is Paul. For what have I to do with judging those also who are on the outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? See, you can judge inside the church. Y'all know that. Oh, judge not lest you be judged. I'm going to just warn you, if you're going to judge somebody inside the church, be careful. Be careful about judging people. But we have within us the Spirit of God that gives us discernment. You can call it discernment if you want to. As a parent, do you judge the kid that comes to your house and wants to take your daughter out? Dads, don't you want to have some discernment? We need to have discernment as believers. We need to make some choices, make decisions, and those are made because we are making judgments. 
Go to a church. You ever visited a church? And man, you just like, whoa, this isn't the place for me. You ever been there? You know, just like, where's the spirit of God here? Where I just what? And you, you have to make some judgments as believers. You have to listen to the spirit of God speaking inside of you. Instead of just going, oh, la di da di da everything's good. Everybody's going to heaven. Well, they ain't. I would, listen, I would love to believe in universalism, salvation. I think that would just be awesome. If everybody that ever lived, it's all going to heaven. But my Bible doesn't teach that. You know, there are churches that are teaching that in this city this morning. That it doesn't matter what you believe, you're going to go to heaven when you die. That's a dangerous, dangerous doctrine. Because it's not what the Bible says. You really got to stretch to find that. Okay? Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. We need to, we need to understand that. This, you need to understand that this morning. If you're a natural person, if you're here and you're a natural person and you die, you will go to hell according to the word of God. You will be separated from God. I don't know what you want to call it. Burn eternally or just be in the dark. Whatever it is, it ain't going to be good. It's not going to be a party with the devil with, a, with a, lots of kegs of bud. It ain't going to happen in, in hell. And all these people, oh, I'm just going to go party with the, with the devil. You're not going to party with him because he's going to be burning too. I'm serious. We need, to, we, need to, we need to know that, church. That we've got something so awesome in front of us. Why would we want to go that direction anyway? So if you're here this morning, you're a natural person. At the, I was going to lick my finger and I licked the mic. Wow. <laughs> then I'll... <laughs> pretty good just anything to get y'all attention if you're a natural person here this morning you don't know Jesus at the end of this service we're going to give you the opportunity to know him if you want to bolt for the door now well, we won't lock it but there is a way that leads to death there's a way that leads to Jesus and it's your choice I can't make it for you Second kind of person is a spiritual Christian. Number two, write that down. 1 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16. Spiritual person, spiritual Christian. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we, spiritual people, have the mind of Christ. That should just kind of blow you away. Spiritual people have the mind of Christ. You know any spiritual people? Spiritual persons. Let me tell you, give you a definition. The spiritual person is a mature Christian who has so yielded their life to the Spirit's working that the Holy Spirit reigns over every part of their life. Every part of their life, Holy Spirit has dominion and reign. You have yielded every part of your life as best you know. Unless God showed you something else, you keep yielding. And as you keep yielding, you keep Getting closer to Him, you, you're drawn into His presence and you become a spiritually mature believer. They are able to receive and appropriate spiritual truth. The fruit of this person is very evident in their life. Do you all know any spiritual people? You see the fruit just hanging off of them. Love, joy, peace, faith, man. They're winning people to Jesus. They're just spiritually mature. Now that doesn't mean they're perfect. That doesn't mean they have it all together. But they're moving in that direction. This should be the goal of every believer. 
That should be the goal to mature in Jesus. That should be every believer's goal in this room. If you're a believer, that should be your goal in life. And we settle for scraps. We settle for the less, and God has the more for us. The spiritual Christian is not sinless, but listen to this. Get this very clear. But sin does not control or dominate their life. And I'm telling you, until you get to that place, you're not very free. You're just not free. If you're still succumbing to the pressures of the world, still succumbing to the pressures of your peers, you're probably not a spiritual person in that sense of mature believer. If you're still waffling back and forth. Number three, a baby Christian. I don't to be a baby Christian. Any baby questions here? 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 2. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Say babies in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. A baby Christian. Let me give you a definition of a baby Christian. They're messy eaters. I was, I was really, in, and I knew Wes wasn't going to be here today. I was looking through baby pictures, and I thought I, I thought I remember taking pictures of Wes when he was a little baby in the high chair, and he had food everywhere but in his mouth. <laughs> Anybody ever seen a baby do that? Because you probably did it too when you were a baby. Babies are messy eaters. I just get stuff over there, throw the bowl, man. You, have you all seen that new gyro bowl? Yeah. Isn't that the coolest thing? They just throw it across the room, and the food stays level in it. It doesn't fall out. Those people are pretty smart that develop that. But for Christians that are baby Christians, we're just messy eaters. Baby Christians don't get it all right. Baby Christians drop stuff. Baby Christians throw stuff. Baby Christians have to have their diapers changed. You hearing me, church? He said, I couldn't speak to you like spiritual people. You're still babies. I fed you the milk. And you stayed in the mill. Here's the difference. For baby Christians, we're going to move to the last one, which is worldly, willful Christians. But baby Christians, have, they, they just kind of are there and they're ready to grow. And sometimes they just don't have anybody to feed them. Mom and dad didn't feed them. Mom and dad doesn't even go to church. Mom and dad don't know the Bible. And a little, uh, some of their teenage son gets saved and they don't know what to do. And they come here for a snack on Thursdays at youth meeting. They get, that, they get that one, two, three hours and then they're back with their parents and they're back with their friends and they stay baby Christians unless somebody comes along and says, I'll mentor you. I will equip you. And we have baby Christians that are 75 years old. Man, that shouldn't be. Man, I, know, I, I know some of the senior statesmen and women in our church that I trust because they've been through the fire. And I go to them for counsel, and, and I know that they have wisdom because they've been through a lot more junk than I've been through. But I'll tell you, there's some people I'll go to, and there's some people I won't waste my time with. I'm not going to go to some people because I, I, I'm just not going to go hang out with them because I don't see anything of Christ in them. I don't see any wisdom in their life. I don't, see, I don't see that spiritual person. I see somebody, maybe a baby Christian, even in their older age. God does not desire you to stay that way. 
And look, you can blame the pastor, you can blame the teachers, but for you, you've got to grow up. You've got to make a way. You've got to get, you've got to get in the Word on your own. You've got to seek the things of God on your own outside the confines of this building. You've got to be hungry. And listen, I've never been around a baby that didn't get hungry. And when they're hungry, what do babies do? They what? Cry. Man, they want, they want the milk. They want the Gerber's stuff. You know, they want the baby food. They're hungry. That's when you say, honey, you need to get up and go feed the kid. <laughs> Amen. I got a, got a witness there. How about them cowboys? I mean Texans. got to bring the guys back in, you know. Just say cowboys, and the guys, oh, what? what? <laughs> Texas football? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm here, Pastor. <laughs> Babies uh, get more food on the floor than in their mouths. But listen, for a new believer, that's normal. Okay, that's normal. That's why Paul called them babies in Christ. A baby can't act like an adult. Although I know adults that act like babies. A baby can't act like an adult. There's no way they can. But I've seen a lot of adults act like babies. And I'll point a finger. It's usually more the guys than the gals. (laughs) I heard the BD. I got you. An infant can't understand what an adult can. God doesn't expect a brand new believer to act like a mature spiritual believer. He's not upset with you if you're a baby in Christ. He's not upset with you. He just wants you to grow up. Babies need good food to feed on, and then they will grow. The fourth person is... Found in 1 Corinthians 3, 2, and 3. This is a worldly, willful Christian. Some people would refer to it as a carnal Christian. Some people say, well, that's not possible. It's in the Word. Okay? It's in the Word. So you can argue with the Word all you want to. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still what? Carnal. That's flesh-driven worldly driven for where there are envy strife and divisions among you are you not carnal and behaving like mere men i read in a book bill johnson wrote one time maybe i heard it at one of his conferences it it was really cool i never thought of it this way because you know christians like to say well i'm just a man i'm just a human being did you know that's wrong terminology for a believer we're not just mere humans we're not. Spirit of God lives in us. We're not just like everybody else. But we use that as an excuse. Now, that's probably an immature believer. Well, I'm just a man. I'm just a man. I saw that woman, man. Woo, boy, she was good. I'm just a man. That wasn't supposed to be laughter. <laughs> I heard something. Yeah. 
Well, it's just, it's just a little lie. It wasn't, it wasn't a big lie. I'm just a man, you know. I, I was just trying to do the right thing. So I knew if I said the truth, then it would probably get somebody in trouble. So I lied a little bit. That's okay. I'm just a man. I'm just a human being. So we use those things. We use those excuses, and that's not a spiritual person. That's not a person that is going after God with all their heart because they know that little lie grieves God. That, that look grieves God when you look again and they, you look again. It grieves God. Husbands, men, women, when you're looking at something you're not supposed to look at, it grieves God. He, he tells you, turn away from that. Look to me. See, a baby Christian, if they're not fed and they're not brought up in the things of God, they'll end up, in a lot of, a lot of cases, they'll end up being worldly, willful Christians. Let me give you some definitions for that. Remember I said he wrote this after two years of leaving the church at Corinth. These people had time to grow. They had time to grow. They should have been more mature. They should have more, looked more like Jesus, but they didn't. They should have been going after the deeper truths of God, but they weren't. They were still making messes. They were still eating baby food. And that's why Paul calls them carnal or worldly or fleshly. They have the Holy Spirit within them, but they they still act like men, just mere men. Here's the deal. They have willfully, write this down. They have willfully refused to submit to the Holy Spirit's leading in their lives. I'm going to say it again. They have willfully refused to submit to the Holy Spirit's leading in their lives. They have rebelled. They've come to Christ. They've given him their life. They've asked him to come in and fill them. And yet they walk in rebellion. They don't do what God tells them. They walked in disobedience or delayed obedience, which is disobedience. God quickens their spirit to do something. They hear God and they say, you know, not now. Maybe later, God. Guess what God does? He doesn't smile on that. He doesn't smile on our disobedience. Oh, that's just my kid. They're just acting up. Uh-uh. That's why a lot of our kids are in trouble today because parents just say, oh, that's just my kid. Leave him alone. Don't, don't, don't discipline my kid. I'll take care of him at home. And we let our kids do whatever they want to do. And then we have them overflowing out of our prisons because we don't say no to them oh i love my kids so much he would never do that Uh uh-huh all you're doing is allowing them to stay immature and disobedient and for them to come to god is going to be tough Let me ask you this question. This is a very, very, very serious question. Is your life characterized by sin and defeat? Does sin still dominate you as a believer? Do you find yourself still saying no to God when he says to do something? Do you find yourself still wrestling with the same old, same old, same old stuff? And God's already given you the out. He's already given you the answer. He's already given you the way. And you're still battling the same old, same old stuff. And you probably fall 
in the category of a willful, carnal Christian. Now, here's the things that you have to do. Okay? First, if you're a natural person, you need to give your life to Christ. We're going to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. If you're a natural person, you do not know Jesus, even this stuff I'm saying to you, it, it just kind of fall into the side. You don't really get it. Holy Spirit will make sure that you get it this morning, that he will draw you. I won't draw you, but the Holy Spirit will. You're here for a reason, so it might as well be to get saved. If you're going to take your time on a Sunday morning, why don't you just go ahead and get saved? Just a thought. Romans 10, 8 through 11. But what does it, the word say? The word is near you in your heart, it's in your mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. This is Paul preaching that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For what? For with a heart one believes into righteousness, with a mouth confession is made into salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. He didn't make it difficult to come to him. He said, listen, if you will believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. You will not be put to shame. In other words, you, will never got, you, you won't be stood up and said you're going to hell because you will be welcomed into heaven. If you're a natural person here this morning, that works for you. The Bible also says today is the day of salvation. But what about the baby and what about that worldly believer? Two things you need to do. Very quickly, I'm going to share these. Two things. You must have, first, a repentant heart. Say repentant heart. And second, you must feed on the word of God. Say that. Feed on the word of God. If you do these things, these two things, the spirit of God will have freedom to build your character will will have the freedom to do what he wants to do in your life to change you. Isn't that awesome? If you just repent and you begin to feed on the word, you, you get the word out and you start devouring this word, and you make it a part of your life, not an abstract something that sits on a shelf, but it's a part of your life, he will change you. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit will quicken the word in here to bring truth to you that you can understand and you can walk forward in faith. He will grace you so much. He will love you so much. He will say, I want to show you what this means, Harold. And he will start to teach you. But you have to have a repentant heart to get there. Now, the repentant heart. True repentance. I've taught this probably every other Sunday. Here's what true repentance is. It is more than just doing an about face. It's more than just saying, I'm not going to sin anymore. God, forgive me. A repentant heart is the changing of the way you think. It's a real, it's a renewing of your mind as you're walking this thing out called Christianity and he quickens your heart and he says, Harold, I know you've been doing this and I know that I've given you some grace here, but it's time to stop. I want to show you some truth, Harold, what you need to do. And you have to be willing to say, yes, God, I'll submit to you. I repent, change the way I think. You can even pray that prayer. Change the way I think about this, that, or the other. Whatever you want to fill in the blank with. Change the way I think, God, because I know it's not godly. Let him change the way you think. Renew your mind through the word of God. God is a jealous God. He demands your full allegiance. Amen? 
He doesn't like to share his glory. Let me read this. He says, uh, says here, you and I will never realize our full potential in Christ if we just try to add Jesus into the mix of our life or schedule him in as we would a TV show or a baseball game. Too many believers do that. God, I think, I can, I think I've got some time here. Now. There's a 15-minute window here, Lord. I can work you in. You might even get your phone out and schedule him. I want to show a short clip of how many Christians hold on to their stuff, be it sin or whatever it is, instead of laying it down. What's this? A couple of minutes. Hey, Kat. Jesus. Oh, it's been a long time. Yeah, um, I didn't expect to see you here. Whoa, what's that smell? The smell? Oh, um, well... That's my trash. I just, I'm a little embarrassed about it. Oh, well, is that why you've been avoiding me? Avoiding you? I, I, I haven't really been avoiding you. I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to get close to you. I mean, I, I just, I don't want you to smell it. I'll take it, Kat. Come oh, on. Oh, no, 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 no. That's okay. I mean, I made it. It's my trash. You know, I should carry it. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah, but Kat, I mean, this is my job. Right. I take people's trash. That's what I do, so... Right, okay, well, maybe I could go and just clean it up a little bit, you know, and then I'll just, I'll come back. No, Kat, I don't need you to do that. Um. Okay, I'll take it from you so you don't have to carry the weight. Oh, well, I... Come on. Uh, just, uh, just hand it over. Uh, all, right? all right, let go, let go. Yes, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, How's that feel? Weird. Wow, that is crazy. Right, just loosen it up a little Whoa, bit. check that I don't know if I've ever moved like that before. Well, I mean, that is crazy. I just, I feel so free and alive. I, it's I mean, the lack of trash. Wow, I just, it's just like, this is the craziest feeling I have ever had. I just, it's like something's missing, you know? Well, I just, um, get used I, to feeling free, because that's yeah. what you are now. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, what okay. are you doing? I just, I gotta get one thing, okay? Hold on just a minute Get here. one thing? No, yeah. no, 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 don't open the bag. Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice. I really appreciate all that you've done for me. What's going on here, Kat? What? Look, I'll take the trash, but you need to put that back. Oh, um, no, actually, um, that's okay. This is mine. It's my piece. I want to keep it. No, it goes right back in the bag, so I'll help you. Here, no, 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 put no, it no. here. No, Jesus, I, I need to remind myself not to make more trash. I mean, that just Kathleen, makes sense. Kathleen, I will remind you not to make more trash. Oh, okay? well, Jesus, you know... That's what I do. I mean, we'll walk together. I know, but I should be in a better place than this by now. I mean, I just, I'm constantly doing things wrong, you know, and I, I'm just, I'm constantly letting you down. No, the only thing that's letting me down is, is, is you taking the stuff back. Okay. Look, I took care of the trash before you even created oh. Look, don't you see what's happening? Every time I take your trash away, you come back and, and take another piece. And the more pieces you carry around, the more trash you attract. It reeks. Cat. when I look at you, I don't see your sin. I see you. The real you, the free you. This is what I'm fighting for. This is what I died for. Jesus, I'm sorry. I just, please forgive me. I've already forgiven you. The question is, will you forgive yourself?
She said, I should have been farther along than this. Would you say Cat had a repentant heart? If you think about it before you answer that, did she have a repentant heart? She didn't. You see, she asked God to forgive her. She wasn't willing to repent. She still had the same mindset, even though he said, let me take that from you. She wasn't going to continue to grow in her faith. She wasn't going to mature because she wanted to hold on to her junk. Did you know what you're saying when you say that? God, I know better than you. You think that grieves God or not? When he says, listen, I want to take that from you. That's what I died for. So I could take that from you. You wouldn't have to carry it. She said, oh, forgive me. He said, I've already forgiven you. You need to repent. You need to change the way you think. See, some of you coming here this morning, you all this guilt and shame. God's forgiven you. All you have to do is, God forgive. He forgives you. But will you be willing to move from that into the spiritual life that he has for you? That's the question. Or will you stay a willful, worldly, carnal Christian that really repels people instead of drawing them to Christ? A repentant heart. God desires that from every one of his children. That you would say, Father, whatever I need to do, I'll do it for you. I'll give this up for you. I surrender this to you. We need to be feeding on the word, church. Please don't make this the only day that you read the word. Please don't make this the only day that you meditate on the word or you get your Bible out. And you struggle to find the book because you don't know your word. I know some of you have come to Christ at a later age. Some of you weren't brought up in the church like I was. But don't let that be an excuse. Purpose in your heart. Say, Father, give me a desire and a hunger for your word. In First Peter 2, 2, it says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I haven't had a jar of Gerber's green beans in a long time. I love steak. You hearing me, church? If you were to bring me a nice juicy steak up here, Oli, and a couple of jars of that spinach Gerber stuff, so you don't really know what it is, I would be picking the steak. Because I'm not a baby anymore. I got teeth. The Spirit of God takes the seed of the Word. It plants it in the soil of a repentant heart. And from it springs forth the fruit of the Spirit. That's the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now before I close... Some people might think, well, Harold, you've missed it today because there's another kind of believer. That's a spirit-filled believer that's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
You know why I didn't say that one? Because you can be immature and be baptized in the Holy Spirit and make a mess of things. You know why I know that? Because that's that church at Corinth. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, young believers, and making a mess of the gifts. A spiritual person will go to that place where they are filled with the Spirit, are baptized in the Spirit, if not when they are converted. There's no time frame that I can set out before you. But a mature believer will go after everything God has for them. I was 47 years old when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit because I had been taught so much. There was so much food on the shelf, but these things were not on the shelf where I went to church. It wasn't in that, there wasn't in this part of the supermarket where there was a baptism or the deeper things of God. They were like, don't go and don't read that. Don't get that off the shelf. It'll mess you up. Y'all hear what I'm saying, church? I can blame the church all my life, but God gave me this word to read and understand for myself. I should have known it. Matter of fact, I think I knew it, but I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go there because I was a willful, disobedient Christian. I love the Lord, though. I love the Lord. I taught. I led worship. I did all these things. But God said, Harold, there's some more stuff for you to find in here. Go after it. And there's more. I haven't got it all figured out yet. And you don't either. But we go after it. And I can understand why there are baby Christians that are older. Because I was probably one of those. But I'm not anymore. I'm not what I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Is that how it goes? So here this morning, this, this sermon is not to bring condemnation on if you're a baby believer, if you're a willful, disobedient believer, or it's not to bring glory to you because you're a, you're a spiritual person, or it's not to bring condemnation on you if you're not a believer at all. It's not. It's just to show you where you fit, where, where you're at right now in your life, with Christ or without him. So you can come to the conclusion of, I need this, this, or this. But it'll all start with a repentant heart. Even for the baby Christians, for the willful, disobedient Christians. I mean, even for spiritual people, there's, never, there's always a place in our hearts for repentance. There's always a time when God reveals something to us that we need to continually be in that mindset or that heart set, whatever you want to call it, that we say, God, if I'm missing something, show it to me. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to le- learn. I'm willing to obey. Give, listen, pray this prayer. God, give me a teachable spirit. Just give me a teachable spirit. Father, t- show me if I haven't got it all figured out. Show me what I need to figure out. Make it clear to me, Lord. And he'll do that. He'll do that because he loves you. Would you stand, please? I want the ministry team up here this morning. All the ministry team. I didn't forewarn them about this, but that's okay. They hear from the Spirit. 